Hey everybody, welcome to the McChicken Sandwich Board Game Mechanics. <laughs> that sponsorship is really paying off. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, okay, so I guess we should say this. Uh, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek, we like kind of hit up social media for sponsors, and I don't know if uh, the people talking to us at this point are saying it tongue in cheek too, but we might be sponsored soon. So if we do, we'll never forget you guys. We'll always love you forever. But uh, always, always remember the little guys. But uh, I should back up. Now that we're the McChicken board game mechanics, home home of the McChicken sandwich, a great value at one dollar. Um, I should introduce myself. I'm Joel with the McChicken board game mechanics. And with me is the grimace to my Ronald McDonald. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jason. Oh boy. Um <laughs> I wonder if we should do another one of those so that way McDonald's doesn't get mad at us. Why why wouldn't they why would they get mad? They're getting free advertising. Yeah, they're not gonna care. That's good. Yeah. McChicken sandwiches are really good, they to are. be honest. I totally agree. <laughs> All right. So anyway. <laughs> We honest to goodness might have uh, a little message here in a, in a week or two. Um, and I promise we're not sellouts. We'll still say games aren't awesome if they aren't. Yep. Unless they're by our sponsored company. <laughs> and then they're awesome no matter what. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man. That's hilarious. So, home of Steve Jackson's <laughs> Real Good Games. Munchkin is, Jason a, loves. Munchkin is a top 10 game for me. Just wait. <laughs> Time for our top 10 munchkins. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So that's enough stupidity. Um, is it, though? Is it? <laughs> no. All right. I've had a heck of a week. I think you have, too, just based on the conversations we've had. Yep. Um, let's have a fun episode. Uh, Jason, we got some news, and we're going to hit that top 100. And I guess I'm the boy who really likes the Reckoners. Thanks for the correction <laughs> on that. It made both lists. I'm going to just go through my list really fast. Um, up to this point when we get started so you guys can know the real list. Um, and it's probably even more messed up when I do that. But I had this thing happen where I wanted to make room for a game that I wanted to add to my list. And so when that happened, things got bumped and shuffled. And so things got duplicated. I wish it was really even that. But I think it was when I copied from a spreadsheet onto a Google Doc for our show notes. I just didn't read and copyright. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was having some problems last week, too. So two of the games that were not in my top 100 actually made it into my top 100 last week. So <laughs> reading is hard, okay? <laughs> reading is hard. Uh, All right, let's get let's get to the stuff that we'd have to do so we can do some stuff we want to do. Okay, so I don't have a ton of news today. Um, I found one game on Kickstarter that I know is pretty decent because I've played it and done a review, and it's called the Zorro Dice Game, and it's by Pull the Pin Games. It has 14 days left. It's $15. And what this is, this is a Yahtzee-style dice rolling game where you're trying to become the next Zorro. So you're trying to roll these dice and get certain types of symbols to match these heroic feats that have really ridiculous name, like unnecessary swinging entrance and just ridiculous stuff like that. And if you can get two of the same color heroic feats, you're going to unlock this extra hero die of that color. Then everybody else has to fight this scoundrel. And then if you can unlock a third of that color, you're going to unlock the villain. Whoever can defeat the villain is a winner. If multiple people defeat the villain, you go into a sword fight off, and whoever's the last person standing is the winner. It's a fun little Yahtzee game. It's more in-depth than a lot of these other ones because you have a couple different types of things you're trying to do. 
And I really like it. So if you want to know more about it, go look at our YouTube channel. And if you want to back it, you have 14 days. That's the Zorro dice game. Yeah, Zorro's a intellectual property that we've basically forgotten about in our society. But that dude was cool. He is cool. I like him. Yeah. Oh, very cool, Jason. Uh, short and sweet. We're getting right to it. All right. So um, I got a little bit of gaming in this past weekend. And one of the games that I played is from Cosmos. And it's another dice rolling game, Yahtzee style game. So I guess I'm becoming a fan of Yahtzee games. But this one is a co-op and it's called Roll for Adventure. It looks so good. It, it looks like it's my speed. It really is really good. Like I seriously played this four times in a row solo when I was learning it. It was so fun. So what is yeah. what this is, there's these four boards that represent four different areas. Like there's a d- desert, a forest, an ice cave, and a fortress. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to roll certain combinations of numbers to unlock areas within these boards to collect these power stones. To win the game, you have to collect a certain number of power stones depending on the the difficulty in which you pick. But the trick here is after every person has rolled their dice and placed all their dice, then you're going to flip a monster. And the monsters are going to attack one of each uh, a certain color area depending on the color of the card. So the yellow one will attack the desert, so on and so forth. Another tricky thing here is the monster will make every other monster with a lesser value than it attack. So the monsters range from one to three. If you flip a three, it's going to make the twos and the ones attack. So you could be in the clear unless you get a three. So you're kind of pushing your luck, maybe not killing these monsters. But then if a three comes out, it's going to kill you. So you're trying to get those power stones either before one territory dies or somebody it comes to somebody's turn and they can't roll their dice. So this is a really fun game. I don't like co-ops, but this one is, I don't know, it's, it's more of a solo co-op kind of because you're not really working together. You're just trying to make sure that people don't get screwed not having dice. So if you like dice games, you like co-op, give this one a shot, and it is called Roll for Adventure. Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, this is on my radar for sure now. It just looks like it's just a fun game, you know? Oh, it really and is. I like fun games, and this one just looks fun. So on my radar, 100%. Cool. Well, Jason, um, oh, I, I think I'm going to grow our YouTube channel. That's what I want to do with this. I got to play... Fantasy Ranch, but I'm not going to talk about it here. You got to go see my YouTube review because uh, it's 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 pretty cool. But uh, go to YouTube. I'm here going to talk instead about a game that I know you like a lot, and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. And this is a old Days of Wonder game called Cargo Noir, and I'm not sure how I feel about this one, man. I I like it, but I think it's one of those games that's going to be it plays a little different every time you play it, and you want to play with people who have played before. Yeah, because I felt like I was able to do whatever I wanted to do. Like no one would bid against me, so I was like, "Cool, I'll take this stack of three tiles that all match what I have on my board for a coin." <laughs> yeah. So it was it was really fun. Um, the game is basically a, it's an auctioning game, but it's got a weird auctioning mechanic where you're basically bidding one of your actions plus an amount of money. So if you win the auction and it comes back to your turn when you're cleaning the boats out, you get the stuff. If you don't, you've got to basically uh, take back your stuff and you lose that worker, that worker placement, basically, or auction placement. So it hurts real bad when you don't win an auction. um, And it hurts real bad when you don't have enough money to keep someone from winning an auction super cheap. But you're basically buying these goods, all these different ports, in order to get sets of things in your warehouses or wherever the theme is, I guess. There isn't one. But just to put these tiles that match into your 
you know, uh, CD underground lair, whatever it is. And then once you get a set that matches enough, you can buy these point cards and the point cards are just worth a ton of points. And so you're making sets of, let's say cigars, you're smuggling in cigars. If you can get a set of, I think it's eight cigars or something, you can get a boatload of points and then you can, um, buy like a penthouse or whatever that's worth a ton of points at the end of the game with that set of cigars that you brought in. So it's just kind of a matching game, set collection game. Um, it's a neat little game though. And then the other part that kind of twists it up that makes it kind of interesting too, is there's this part in the middle of the board where you don't compete with anyone. You can either blind draw tiles out of this bag or exchange your tiles for the ones in the middle pool that everyone has access to. And then if you go in the bottom half of it, I think it's Macau, um, you get to just take two coins if you run out of money. And that's basically the way how you get money, to be honest. So um, just sort of an interesting balancing those three things kind of game. Really light, really simple. But I had actually quite a bit of fun with it. And it, this game's always beat up as being not a great game. It's not a great game. No, it's, I don't it's think. not a great game. No, I agree. But it's it's perfectly playable and perfectly fine. And it does what it does fine. So Cargo Noir. How many players did you play it at? Three. I will say if you play at four, I think it goes to five. It's a little more fun. Yeah. But the auctions are way more punishing at that at that high high player count for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's not a bad game. Um, I, ta- I played a bunch of stuff over the weekend, but a lot of it is on the top 100 list. So I'm trying to pick out some of the stuff that's not going to make the list. And this one's not a top 100 game. I'm not so sure it's a top 200 game, but it's in my collection. And I'd be sad if I didn't have access to it. So it's good enough for that. So yep, I agree. Yeah. It's very fun. Yep. It does what it does. All right, Jason, here we go. This is the official numbers 100 up to number 81, I guess. Is that where we're at? No, we're past that, aren't we? Hey, yeah, we're we're, g- we're starting with 80 today. No, so gotcha. you're right. You're right. So here's numbers 181 so that people can not live in suspense on what game is missing. Maybe someone will do the math and figure out what game I missed, but I missed one of these games. Uh, Takenoko, 100. Trakirion, 99. Uh, T. T Tihuacan. I every time I try and say it, the more accurately, the worse I get. Teotihuacan, uh, ninety-eight, ninety-seven Dice Forge, ninety-six Role Player, ninety-five Eclipse, ninety-four First uh, First Class, ninety-three Mansions of Madness, number ninety-two Elder Sign, number ninety-one Reckoners, number ninety Millennium Blades, eighty-nine Century Spice Road, eighty-eight Secret Hitler, eighty-seven Parks, eighty-six. DC Comics deck building game, 85 Broom Service, 84 Clash of Cultures, 83 Zulkin the Mayan Empire, uh, 82 CO2 Second Chance, and 81 Pulsar 2849. So I feel like I've talked about every one of those games. Like, I don't feel like I missed any of those, but that's my list. Yeah, so yeah, there that, you go. That is weird. I yeah, that's weird. I, I might have given you guys a bonus game <laughs> in the form of talking about Reckoners a second time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this, this again, 10% better than the last list, okay? So here we go. Uh, number 80 for me, Jason, is a game by Martin Wallace that is pretty unknown, pretty not played. And I think it's because when this game came out at first, they were really strict about their map pricing. They were really, really staunch about selling it for full MSRP. And now you can buy it for like 12 bucks on Amazon. Um, and that game is Via Nebula. Um, it's a Martin Wallace game where you're basically doing his really dumbed down train system. And it's just got a new painted on theme and you're playing as these people who are exploring through these clouds and you make paths through this like cloud shroud thing. And once you explore, the path is known and you can transport things back and forth. 
and you're trying to get little things built in these villages. Uh, it's really like a family weight Martin Wallace train game, and it's really good, and I really like it. Uh, and it's just so adorable and it's got cool wooden chunks in it. Number 80 via Nebula. I, I really enjoy this game quite a bit and yeah, I mean it, it, the magical of transporting things back and forth. Um, it's like, man, if there's only a real thing in real life that transports things back and forth on a like fixed route, we could put that in the game instead. Oh wait, trains, but he made it just this little cute cloud thing. I don't know. It's and it's cool and it's really adorable. The art's great in it. It's a cool little game. Marty Wallace did it again. Number eighty via Nebula. I always thought this was part of the Imperial Settlers, um, like family because the art always reminded me of that for some reason. Yeah, it looks a lot like it. All right, so my number eighty is a game that I now own and I'm pretty pumped about, and it is called Scoville. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, so I played this at a BGM con. I've only played this one once, and this is how much I liked it. It made the list. So Scoville is a game where you're trying to harvest red peppers, or I guess a bunch of different colors of peppers, and you're doing that through this cool, like, combining grid movement mechanism, and you're trying to fulfill certain contracts with certain color peppers. If you can do that better than other people, you're going to win the game. It's fairly light, but it's a good time, and it was fun. So I enjoyed this one, and that's my number eight, Scoville. Yeah, it's it's a cool theme too. It's a different theme on that worker placement, worker movement kind of thing. It's got kind of a cool blocking mechanism in it too. Um, this was a fun game. I think the group we played with was really fun too. Yeah, so that's I think true. last time that's true. So I, I it holds up though. I've owned this game for years now. I I got it when it was a new release, and I don't know what year it came out. And I have had no regrets on it. This is like this is the dyed in the wool. What I think of when I think of TMG games, they're Euro-based games with kind of fun art, fun graphic design, and a fun theme. And that one, this one's all of those things. And I don't think this one made my top 100, but I don't fight you on this one at all. This is a great game. Good good pick, Jason. Thanks. Jason, my number 79 may not be a good pick for you. We'll see. Um, Charterstone. I like this game quite a bit, actually. Um, it's, it's a neat game. I don't know that I would say that num- number 79, Charterstone, is what I would put like where I'm at with the product right now uh, at because the game itself and this in the state it's in my box right now is, is perfectly good, but I've enjoyed opening the packages and going through the experience of the game. So that's why this one's 79, the whole legacy elements of it, I think do add to it a little bit and make it more fun. Um, if this game were just to come out in its finished product, um, I think it would still be fun, but I think that the whole, we created this, this island or these sky islands or oh, don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but like we created all this stuff, the way it is, where everything's at really does make it more fun. Um, the way how it just kind of adds things and teaches people how to play a little more complex game, starting with something overly simple to the point where like the first time we played this game, my wife was like, is that it? Like, it feels like we're missing something. And I was like, I think it's starting very simple and it really does. Um, so, I don't know. The process is really fun, and that's what makes this one 79. I don't know that the finished product game on this is a 79-worthy game, but I had a good time playing this over the last year. Charterstone. Yeah, I, I've i played, I think, four games of this, and I know I need to finish it, but I just have no desire to want to finish it. It's a fun worker placement game, but I could also play Viticulture and get the same kind of feeling. I don't dig the legacy thing, so it's just not for me, I guess. That's fair, man. All right, so number 79 for me is a new-ish game. I'm not sure if it counts as coming out this year or last year, but either way, it's one of the two years, and it is called Museum. 
Um, I've probably played this one about five or six times now, and I really enjoy it. So this is, I think one of the things that really drags draws me in on this is every card is different, and it's all art from Vincent Dutre, and I like his art. But essentially all this game is, is it's a set collection game. You're drafting some cards from a country that you may need. You're trying to collect artifacts and stuff to put in your museum. And you're trying to get certain types of colors, certain symbols, and from certain civilizations on display in your museum to score a pile of points at the end of the game. Uh, the game's going to go on until somebody hits 50 points. It's going to trigger the in-game scoring. And then you're going to do a whole pile of in-game scoring. Whoever has the most points is the winner. Um, there's a little more to it than that, but that's the gist. And if you like card games, you like set collection, I recommend Museum, and that's my number 79. Good pick, Jason. I like this game quite a bit. This one made it onto my Christmas wish list. So nice. games that are fairly widely available, I throw on my Amazon wish list and sometimes mommy buys them for me. So <laughs> and thank thank you, my mom, for the sponsorship of this show. Uh the My Mom Board Game Mechanics now coming to you with number seventy eight. Uh <laughs> from me. No, everything you said about museums right on. Uh good game, very cool. Uh and that's about it. I, I I didn't make my top 100 just because I've not played it enough. I'm not sure how it's going to play in repeat plays, but my one play of it, I really enjoyed. But it, it took a lot of the game for me to understand how I was going to end up filling my gallery and stuff like that to just kind of wrap my mind around it all. And I think I'd like it more probably on other plays um, because I think I understand better how the the curating and all that kind of works. And it. it's it's really good though. Yep. For sure. Uh, so I mean, and it's surprising you like it as much as you do because it's basically uh, – to Jason explain it, it's you take a card off the board and then it's the next person's turn. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> and if they want to do something after you take a card, they can. Um, no, I mean, that's that's a real simple version of it, but it's it's good. Uh, 78 for me, Jason, is Suburbia. Hey, by the way, you're a real sweetheart, Jason. You typed in all my games on this list. I really appreciate that. I was just going to work off my Google, Google sheet, but you knew. You knew that if I had to do that, I would mess the list up again. <laughs> I didn't know so that. So you, you were a real sweetheart putting these on there. I appreciate it. No, number 78 for me is Suburbia. It's my favorite city tiling type game. I had Quadropolis at one point. That game doesn't touch this one. It's still the best. Um, and this is just the basic bland one. I don't have the cool uh, deluxe one. Um, but I know a podcast that needs sponsored and a board game collection that needs that deluxe one, Kawink. So, um, this sponsorship thing, if you don't know, on our social media, we did a blitz to get sponsored just tongue in cheek because every podcast has a sponsor now. Like seriously, like the, Hey, it's me and I'm on a tin can and my goat and I talk about games he likes to eat <laughs> brought to you by Asmodee. Like, I don't know. It feels like every podcast has a sponsorship. So we kind of joked about it, but. You know, it's cool. Um, stay tuned. Uh, so anyway, uh, n- number 78, Suburbia. I like this game a lot. It's just really fun. It keeps you engaged the whole time because what happens in your city impacts other people and what happens in their city impacts you. Um, it's just got some clever things in it too. I actually do like this one better than Castles of Macking Lodwick, but um, I guess that's neither here nor there because it's preference really a theme and like if you like the tiles to all match or if you like them to be goofy so uh suburbia my number 78 yeah i haven't played this one but i know it's not they're all like hexes or pentagons or whatever and but i do really like castles i like the way the stupid shapes go together and it makes me happy to make a weird castle i this one's this one's only the only thing that this one does better than castles to me it doesn't have that mechanic of where you set the prices. Oh, yeah. So everything just slides down. But the thing that's really cool about this one is there's certain tiles. Just the way how the tiles interact in this is much better than castles. And they're very different games. 
I mean, to be honest, they came out around the same time from the same company and the same designer. Right. So I get why they're always put together, but they're really different. And Suburbia is really more about how can I get my tiles to work together to make points for me? Or how can I get other people's tiles and their cities even to get me points? And it's about synergies and system building. It's almost an engine building machine. So uh, engine building game. So I, it's really different. I think you'd like it, Jason, but I don't think I, you would like it enough that I would say, let's break this one out at a board game day because there's just another other stuff that we don't get to play together very often. So this will never get played by us probably, but that's okay. It's a good game. That's cool. Yeah. Some, someday I'll play it. I know a couple people that have it. So if I'm feeling adventurous, I'll bust it out. It's worth the play. I mean, it's unique and it's pretty good. That's cool. All right. So my number 78 is a game from the guy who did Hansa Teutonica and Gugong. I can't remember his name right now. Andreas Stedding, I think. And it is called the Stouffer Dynasty. Not the, yes. not the hot uh, TV dinners. So maybe Stauffer. We'll call it Stauffer. Um, there you go. Yeah. So what this is, is it's a game with a rondelle. I love rondelles. And what you're trying to do in this is you have these little envoy guys. There's like little small guys and there's a bigger guy. And what you're trying to do is you're using these guys as currency to pay to move from an, a location to another location to set up... Um, I forget what the term is, but you're trying to put guys on seats of like a Congress or something in that area because you're going to get area majority points each round based on if the king's in that location or if it's the location that has maybe hits another criteria. So you're trying to figure out the best way to get your guys to this location, maybe better than other people, and you're also trying to get some like majorities for your in-game goals so you want to have people in certain spaces at the end of the game so there's a lot going on in like a five round game that plays in about 40 minutes it's really thinky and i can't really explain it because it's kind of weird but if you like area control and you like um using guys in different ways like one guy in like four or five different ways then i would recommend checking this one out i don't know how readily available it is but you should be able to find it if you want it so my number 78 stouffer dynasty I, I saw this one on clearance at my shop and I looked at the back of it and I was like, eh, Jason would love this game because it's just a huge rondelle. <laughs> yep. The art is super busy. It looks like just, I don't know. There's a million superfluous things going on that don't matter <laughs> at one time. And it's just, I was like, yeah, this is Jason's kind of game right here. So this one being on your list, I'm a little surprised, but not really. Like I can tell that this is your kind of jam. Well, you love rondelles too. And this game's basically a rondelle, right? Oh, that, that's I mean, all it is. Yeah. Rondelle. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, my number 77 is a game that Jason wouldn't love. Uh, that's Wasteland Express Delivery Service. You might like it as well as any pickup and delivery game, yeah, but it's, I would try it. it's got a, it's got plastic pieces in it. I mean, uh, that's true. No, I, I, I like this game. I like it a lot. I like it while I'm playing it because it's got this cool thing of you're customizing your pickup truck and, or, I guess it's a pickup truck, but like your semi truck is more likely the way to say it or the better way to say it. Um, but it's a it's a pickup truck because you go pick up things with it. Um, so uh, you got your truck that you're putting just goods in and you're doing little combat with these little bandits to try and steal their goods. But you're basically buying things cheap and then selling them for a profit in like a couple towns over or whatever. And then there's these objective cards that you're trying to get along the way. Um, it's basically just Mad Max, the board game, to be honest, um, where you're working like a delivery guy in the Mad Max universe. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is the board's completely modular and completely variable, 
but it's all like hex tiles, not hex tiles, it's octagon tiles. And the octagon tiles go together flat edge to flat edge, but then it leaves these diamond shapes in the middle that are open. So then you have to put these like secondary diamond bits in there. It has a nice game trays organizer. All the bits and stuff in it are really good, but it takes a while to set up and tear down. That hurts it a little. 77 Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Yeah, um, I was doing, I'm doing my 100 Beyond the 100 with Katie. And the more I do these games, the more I realize, I guess I do like Pick Up and Deliver. So this may be one that I want to try because I really like Pick Up and Deliver. Yeah, you might like it. It's got, I don't know, and it's got some, a little bit of combat in it where you're trying to steal stuff from people. So it's got some confrontation between you and like really the NPCs and some confrontation where you manipulate markets and stuff. So it's a touch mean, but not bad. Um, Yeah, you might like it. I don't know. That's cool. Um, so my number 77 is a game that I'm actually surprised is this low, but I guess I like other games Me too. better. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. But my number 77 is Dice Forge. Um, this is my most played game over this year. I think I played it like 19 times or something like that, which is a lot. Like for me to play one game that many times, that's a lot. Um, so this is a game, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it ad nauseum on here, but quick overview. You're, um, moving your little pawn to locations to buy cards, or you're going to the sanctuary to buy faces of a die because you can make your die into dice that you want. You have two dice. You can buy faces to make it do kind of whatever you want. You can get it gold. You can generate stones to buy cards. You can generate victory points. So you're kind of building your engine on these dice, and you're going to do that over eight rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end of those eight rounds is the winner. It's simple. It's fast. You can play the base game in about 30 minutes, no matter how many people you play with. And I dig that. Once you throw in the expansion, it adds a little bit of time, but still great. And my number 77, Dice Forge. Yeah, I really am surprised this one's as low as it is for you. Um, especially when I like look at the next couple games in the list. I'm like, wow, those were higher than that one. It's a little surprising to me, to be honest. But um, I, I, it's a great game. And to be honest, I'm kind of glad that you had such a good game at this point in the list. So we can kind of remind people. If a game's at this point on our list, like we love these games. These are really great games and um, they're better than 90% of the other games we've played probably. So um, yeah, it's a great game, Jason, for sure. So uh, good pick, man. Yep. I should probably talk about a game now. <laughs> my my number 76 is Near and Far. This is from Red Raving Games. And this is, uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, some days I feel like above and below might be better to be honest, the actual gameplay, but near and far is kind of the storytelling adventure kind of board game that came out in the same universe. I think is above and below. Cause you can kind of cross over some of the characters. Um, but you're basically going through encounters, playing out the story, doing basically, uh, like worker placement to try and, to try and have this story get told to you and explore this world. And it's, I think the first game I know of that had the board was a book of maps. So it's kind of neat. I wish that I had more opportunities to play this game because I would love to play through a full campaign of it, but I just, I just having played mostly one hitters of it. Um, it's still in the top 100, a really good game near and far. Uh, my favorite Ryan Lockett game, uh, but it's close. There's some other games that I really like by him as well. And I know, have you still not played a red Raven game yet? I have not. No. Oh, Jason. That's okay. I'm not sure you'd love them, but this one's pretty good. Um, I would say above and below might be more your speed because it's got kind of a cool thing where you're 
Your points are worth different amounts based on when you get them onto your board. But the later you wait to get them on your board, the less of that thing you can get. It's just, it's kind of an interesting deal. Um, I'm, I've been explaining that really poorly, but people who've played are going to go, yeah, I get what you mean, but you explained that really poorly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Near and Far is my pick. That's cool. Yeah. Someday I'll play one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my number 76 is a game by Starling Games. And the first time I played it, I didn't really love it, but I played it a couple times since. And... I really do like it. And I think the only reason it's higher than the one I then Dice Forge is because it might be a little heavier and that may be why it's stuck in my mind a little better. So my number 76 is Everdell. Uh, yeah. Um, so this game is essentially a tableau building game, engine building kind of, and some worker placement. So everybody has these little different animal shaped meeples and you're trying to go to these locations and collect berries and sticks and stones and crystals i don't know why they're collecting crystals but whatever and you're using those cards or those resources to get creatures to come to your town open up shops in your town to go with the creatures because you're going to get bonus points if you can match certain creatures with certain buildings and you're just trying to make your tableau better than everybody else's to have more points at the end of the game and also trying to hit some in-game goals that are on the big tree that's in the middle of the board unnecessarily to give you additional extra points. So I like tableau building. I like engine building and I like the art in this game a lot. So that's a, and it's a little bit thinkier than dice forge, which is why it's a little higher. So my number 76 is Everdell. Yeah. I need to play it. I've heard good things. I thought, I thought I, you uh, have played it. No, I haven't played oh. this one. I don't think I have. Yeah. I don't, I'm I don't know. Pretty positive. I haven't to be honest. Um, it's good. If I have, it's not memorable enough for me to remember playing it. So, yeah, I, uh, you're making me doubt myself, but I don't think I've played it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I'm pretty positive I haven't played it. Um, it was out of print, too, for a while here, and I think it's back in print. So, it's kind of like, I don't know, kind of hard to have access to to a degree. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. I got to click back on the sheet with the games I've played now. Your next one, The Mighty Has Fallen. That's all I got to say. Oh, dude. I know. I'm a little... <laughs> I, I can't believe this happened. <sighs> uh, this is my Dice Forge. I can't believe it's this low, but it is. Uh, number 75 for me is Happy Pigs. This is a really good game. It's an economic grow-your-pigs game. Um, I enjoy it, and it's a game that anybody can play. That's true. And I... I know it's pretty popular in my local game group, but outside of that, I don't know of anybody who plays this game. So, um, and if if I wasn't into it, I'm not sure Jason would ever looked at it twice either. That's so I true. made you, I made you play it, and I don't think you hated it. No, that, so fine. and it plays a ton of people at once, so that's kind of cool. Um, but I do have the chickens for it, the the everything else. I don't have the penguins, but basically on this, you're your a card flips over there's four different possible actions you can take and then there's numbers associated with each action so it gets it's kind of interesting because if we have you know five people playing this game we're all secretly picking which one of these actions we want to do which are basically breed grow your pigs immunize your pigs or sell your pigs um so that's a way oversimplification but uh, we're picking which one of those actions we want to do well if you and i both pick sell our pigs and the number associated with it was like eight we have to share that eight. So we each get four of that action. So we can sell four pigs. So you're trying to pick things another other people won't pick. You're trying to optimize your turns. You can buy fields to make your, your farm bigger, but that's kind of like a waste of money and money really is victory points. So 
you're trying to optimize your space as best you can, but then you're like, oh, I need that extra field because I, I've got to grow more pigs at once and I don't want to follow everyone else. So it's just, it's an interesting game with a lot of little different choices in it. So uh, happy pigs, 75. Yeah, this is, uh, this is kind of very, um, gateway-ish. It, it kind of serves that same kind of Dice Forge thing where you can play with anybody and have a good time. So yeah, I, I like this Yeah, one. played it with my dad. I mean, like, that's the, that's the, it's definitely a gateway game. Like, my dad played it and was able to be competitive. So, yeah. Nice. All right, so my number 75, which I think is only higher than Dice Forge because I enjoy the experiences a little better just because people get angry and it's funny to me. And that is Dogs of War. And this is one that you mentioned a while ago. I saw on like your top 100 a while ago and it was, and I found a copy and it looked awesome. I played it with you actually, and it was a good time. So this is a Simon game. It's essentially um, a really overproduced tug of war. And you're putting these uh, big, way too big minis on one side of a battle. There are three battles and you're basically trying to pit your support to the side that you think is going to win. But should you feel that that side is eventually going to lose, you can betray yourself and start betting on the other side. So it's kind of this like you may form temporary alliances with people and then stab them in the back so you can get on the winning side or you might at the last minute push something from the side that they thought was going to win to your side and win. It's it's super mean. It's fun. And it's not super long. It's only like three or four rounds. So... If people get mad, they'll get over it pretty quickly. So my number 75, Dogs of War. Good pick, Jason. Uh, not sure where this one lands, but I'm guessing I'm higher on this one than you. So I'm not going to talk much about <sighs> it. I, I like this one a lot, too. You're right. This is the one game where I'm like, the minis suck in this game. I wish they had wooden cubes. Especially that pink lady with the huge freaking hat, man. <laughs> she covers up half the board, yeah. man. She's awful. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I'm with you. Like... The minis suck in this game, for sure. So, Dogs of War, really cool. Um, also, pro tip, if you play it wrong, where you play with like quadruple the money, it's way more fun. So, play it wrong a few times, where you quadruple the money and everyone owns like 10 war machines. So <laughs> That's true. That was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Playing with a group of people who are kind of zany and weird, too, makes it fun, too. So, anyway, uh, very cool. Good pick, Jason. I like that game a lot, and I think I'll probably talk about it more later. Uh, Number 74 for me is a game that came out this year. I think this might be, yeah, this is my highest this year game so far, which is really funny for me to say because that's obviously true. Um, So number 74, I amused myself there, Jason. I really amused myself. Uh, My highest 2019 game on the list thus far, until I stop talking more, uh, is Little Town by Yellow. This game is really cool. You're building... It's not Tiny Towns, which is the other game that's much more popular. This one's a a Japanese game. I think it was called Little Town Builders when it came out in Japan. Um, But you're basically putting a worker out and you get the eight squares that surround you. So there's nine squares in a tic-tac-toe board. It's like you're putting your person in the middle space and you get the eight squares that go around you and surround you. So at the very beginning of the game, the board's really bare and you're going to get maybe two or three resources from each placement. You're going to get the basic resources. You're going to get food. You're going to get um, wood and stone. And then you're going to convert your wood and stone into buildings that are going to do other things. So then once I have some wood, I might have another building out that turns wood into victory points for me or into gold or something like that. So I want a place where I can get both wood and convert that wood into victory points on the same turn, possibly. So it's all about trying to figure out how you can set up 
spaces to optimize your buildings for yourself. But then the other thing too is, Jason, you can use my buildings. That's fine. But you've got to pay me a buck to use them. So I kind of want to put things where they're enticing to you too, that you might want to use my building so I can get some money from you too. So Little Town, really cool little game. Pretty cute. Um, pretty quick little worker placement game. Entry level weight. Uh, a lot of fun, actually. And actually, this is one that got my son's approval, which is hard to do. Picky teenage boy approved. So uh, Little Town. <laughs> yeah, this one does seem pretty neat. I watched your video on it and it seems like something I would enjoy playing. Yeah, it's not too bad. All right, my number 74 is a game that I picked up at Origins last year, and I've played it a ton since, and it's called The Networks. Um, This is essentially a game where you're running a TV network, kind of like PBS or something, and you're trying to get certain types of shows on certain time frames. You're trying to get um, commercials to run that meet the demographic of your show, and you're also trying to get big-name actors to come in or actresses, to come in and star in said show. After a certain amount of time, the show is going to start losing viewers, and then you may have to put it into syndication, and then it'll just get less and less viewers, but it's going to keep giving you viewers throughout the duration of the game. This is essentially done through some card drafting. There's a big line of like four different types of cards on the table. On your turn, you're either going to draft a certain type of card. Uh, I think... Yeah, I think that you're going to either draft the card or you're going to play cards into your TV station. And you're going to do this over, I think, three or five rounds. And whoever has the best TV station at the end of the game is the winner. Um, there's a little more to it, as usual, but I'm just kind of giving you the gist. And if you like cool card drafting games, you like funky artwork with uh, parody-style TV show names... Check this one out. It's fun. It's pretty easy to find. It has a pile of expansions. I have the British TV show expansion, which is pretty funny too. So my number 74, The Networks. Yeah, good pick, Jason. I really like this one. It's I haven't played it. I'm a year behind you on it. I just got it this year. Um, but I haven't played it enough to say it's justifiably in my top 100. And I it might end up there. My thing with this game is when I play it, I really enjoy it. But when I put it back in the box and put it on the shelf, it doesn't do anything to grab me to say, hey, play this game. Because I don't remember how fun it is, maybe. Um, or I don't know. I just I have a weird feeling about it. Like I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound good when I'm not playing it. But then once I start playing it, I'm like, yeah, that's a good game. So um, really a good game. And that aging of the shows is, and just how every show ages differently with its audience and builds an audience differently makes the game really interesting. Yep. For sure. And the art and the game's... And the names of the shows are all really, really fun. Like it's, it's a good, I can laugh with my friends game for sure. <laughs> yep. So for sure. Great pick. All right, Jason, my number 73 is not a, you can laugh with your friends game. It's a game that's my version of Vasco da Gama. Probably this is a game that's pretty, I don't know. Some people like it, but it's pretty widely panned uh, as being Matt Gertz's not great game. Um, it's definitely before Concordia. I think Concordia is better than it. Spoiler, it's going to be on my top 72 somewhere. Um, but this game is Navigador. Um, I really like this game. It's basically... I think you'd love it too, Jason. Um, it's it has a, it a, has a rond- rondelle, right? Yep, it's a rondelle oh, yeah. where you do your actions on it. And then you're basically building an empire where you're trading goods. But not in the Mediterranean. You're trading it kind of, I think, around Africa. Um, so you're taking goods and trading them around the Indies and, and things like that. And you're specializing in a certain kind of thing to try and make your engine better. It's really an economic engine building game. Um, and you're kind of trying to capitalize on the opportunities the other players give you because you manipulate the markets as a game, as a, as a table. Um, but it's, it's a pretty neat game. Um, and it's, 
It's not as good as Concordia, but it's still really good. And I still really like it. And it's not fair to compare it to Concordia just because they come in the same size box and by the same designer. If this game were by another designer, I'd be like, yeah, it's a great game on its own. But I do love Concordia. And so, um, I don't know. The comparison just always ends up happening. That This one's not as good, but it's still very good. So, Navigador um, might bring this one to BGM Con this weekend, which really isn't BGM Con. I'm not going to co-opt it. I'm, I'm going to call it The Games in the Garage, which mm. is a secret by invitation only uh, board game meetup. That's like it's like the Fight Club of board game meetups. So um, we'll call it the Gathering of Amigos because the Gathering of Friends is already taken. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Navigador, I I think I might bring this one this weekend. I don't know if I'll get people to play it or not. But that's the only. Oh, that's always the problem, man. When we get together to play games, Jason, it has to be like the top of the top best games to play because we just don't see each other often enough until we get to that nursing home where we can play games all day. Yep, agreed. Yeah, this box cover on this looks awful. That's how I know I'll probably like it. Oh, you'll love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not fooling myself. I'm sure it's going to be great. I mean, like the box cover for Concordia is a little worse, which means it's a little better game. <laughs> Yeah. But it's it's really good, man. That's awesome. Um, so my number 73 is a riotous good time. Like, I bust up laughing all the time when I play this game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is uh, Black Orchestra from... <laughs> Give me a second to like, get the list. Yeah, okay, cool. So this, I'm, I was just kidding. This is um, another game from Starling Games. Um, our boy Philip Duberry is the designer on this one, and this is a cooperative game where you are Germans and you're trying to stop Hitler before he reaches his pinnacle and starts slaughtering all the Jews, or you know, starting World War II. So what you're trying to do in this is you're moving around this map, you're trying to get in certain locations with Hitler, trying to collect certain types of plot cards, maybe like for poison to put a bomb where he is, and. It's, it's tricky because you're also trying to fight how strong Hitler's military is. So you're trying to manipulate that track down because you can only attack him when he's at a certain strength. or You have to roll a pile of dice and it just becomes more random. So, yeah, that's another horrible description. But if you like co-ops and you like games that are going to slap you around and also have some randomness because this has some die rolls that are going to determine if you're successful or not, then this may be a game for you. I love it. It's one of my favorite co-op games. And that's number 73, Black Orchestra. I don't think this one made my top 100, but it's not because it's not a great game. It's in my collection, and I love it, and everyone I played it with thinks it's great. Um, but you're right. We're all like, Bonhoeffer's got the bomb under the table. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh. It's a riot. Um, no, it's a pretty somber game, really. It really um, is. <laughs> it's, but it's awesome. I think this is a game that if I taught secondary history and I was teaching World War II, I 100% would look at getting a few copies of this game uh, to play with my kids because it, it has, I mean, so I think you, you explained it fairly well, but like basically the cards go in phases and they have events happen that strengthen Hitler's power and weaken him based on the flow of the war. And so the thing that creates the really good tension in this game, in my opinion, is that you can be ready with a plot to take out Hitler and you have to wait four or five rounds to be able to pull it off because the timing's not right. Hitler's so strong. You just have to wait. And so like that waiting, I'm just imagining, man, it's, it's crazy. It'd be really hard to, 
I don't know. It'd just be a hard time to live for sure. And I mean, like those people who made it to that time, like it makes you feel for them. Like this game really does create empathy for, for, you know, the people who felt so bad about how the oppression of the Jews was, was, you know, happening and they felt like they needed to do something and they were compelled to move, but they at the same time were fearful for themselves. You know, it's just such a good game, Jason. And I, I kind of am regretting I didn't put it in the top 100, I don't think, but, um, okay. So, Total change of subject here on you. Like I've got to, I've got to do this one now. I, I, uh, I cleaned up my lint trap on my dryer. So I put this like chimney sweep thing through my like lint dryer thing and, uh, got all the lint out. And I think when I did it, I popped the ductwork apart in my attic. So I've never been in my attic in my house. So I go up into the attic. I've only lived here for a couple of years and I go up into the attic and I'm walking down the attic, like walking down to where my dryer duct goes out. And I put it all back together and riveted it up. And I looked down at the other far end of the attic and I see like a door. And I'm like, what the heck? Where does this door go? So I walk down to the far end of my of my attic and there's like a room, like a full built room in my attic on the far end of my attic, like with a wood floor in it and like drywall. And like, it's like an extra bedroom that the only way you can get there is walking through the entirety of my attic. So I don't know what the story is behind That's that. That's awesome. But it has a lot. It has a light switch in like it. Underground railroad stuff, man. Yeah. Well, like Anne Frank, yeah. man. So That's like, crazy. But it's weird. I don't know if it was like a storage room or what. But so I flipped the light switch off because the light switch was on. And there was like a little like pull chain on the light up there. So I flipped the wall switch off. I'm like, why is that wall switch on? So I flip it off. I go back down to my house, like the main part of my house. And like three or four outlets in my house don't work. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> That's crazy. So I'm pretty sure my house is going to burn to the ground at some point for an electrical fire. But like, it felt like a real Clark Griswold moment. Like I had to go flip this light switch in my attic to get my TV to work. It was really weird. That's hilarious. Uh, so uh, anyway, Race for the Galaxy number 72. This is a game that um, was really marred by the fact that it was so symbol reliant. You're basically, it's the original, original gangster of, building an engine actually it's not because san juan is basically the same game but uh this one improves in san juan just a little bit i think puts the game into space and you're basically choosing it you're doing an action selection and then the cards are the currency as well once you can figure out the symbols in this game it's really fun you're building basically a tableau in front of you to just explore planets and generate resources and things so um and the cards really are the resources so um really slick game by tom layman who who made res arcana i think is the game this year that he came yep. out with i don't think these two are really too similar but he's kind of a hot designer again and this is i think probably his first game that he was really known for so uh it's still a strong game for me really like it race for the galaxy pretty compact game too like if you want to take it out of the box it's the size of like an oversized deck of cards so it's a really good game to take with you on trips and stuff uh number 72 for me and I will be done talking about that one now. Yeah, I haven't played it, but yeah, I've heard horror stories that it's a pain to teach and it's just so symbol heavy that kind of scares me. Yep. And that's totally a fair analysis of it. All right. My number 72 is a, a new ish game from Japan Anime Games. I've talked about this one a lot as well. Um, it's a little worker placement game called Demon Worker. Um, this is pretty small game too it's essentially a deck of cards with a little some little discs that you're using as your workers and what you're trying to do is you're sending these demons out to earth or you know the above world wherever and you're trying to get more souls to come join you down in hell and you're doing that through some worker placement you're going to certain locations to get food for your monster or your demons you're going to other locations so you can 
draft new or play new demons, hire new demons. You're going to another location where you can get like special types of crystals and weapons to help you defeat the humans. And you're going to do this over, I think, four rounds. And whoever has the most points at the end of the four rounds by being the best demon is the winner. So essentially, this boils down to worker placement. If you like worker placements with a silly theme and cute little demon-y artwork, then maybe give this one a go if you can find it. I don't know how readily available it is, but it's one of my favorite light filler-ish worker placement games. And that's number 72, Demon Worker. I AEG, right? Japanime. It, oh, is it? Okay. Never mind then. Well, Japanime had a sale too. I think it was on sale on Japanime's thing. But AEG's doing their scratching net sale right now. So if you're hearing this on Friday, like that's still going. And it's eh, the deals are okay. Um Yep. The fun thing about this game to me is when you describe this game, like the visuals that come into people's heads are this game is made out of like blackened wood <sighs> that's been burnt. With human skulls on the corners holding the blackened wood together and a lock made out of human teeth. And then you stick a human skeleton finger into the lock to open it. And then once you open the game, like the cards glow with pentagrams all over them and like whatever. But then you actually see the real game. You're like, oh, what cute little demons. They're little cute little demons. Look at them. They're adorable. Yeah, I, I actually so, don't think there are funny. any pentagrams at all, really. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number 71, Jason, for me. Um, is this episode has been fun for me because I'll listen to this episode on Friday and be like, oh yeah, I remember that episode because I don't remember what I'm saying at all. I'm super tired. So I hope this was entertaining. But anyway, number 71 for me is Sierra West. This is a game from Boards and Dice. or Yeah, Boards and Dice. NKSN, however you want to say it. Um, this is one that's uh, kind of cool. It's, uh, it's sort of a deck building game um, with a lot of other elements in it. So you're basically moving these guys around on your player board through a clockwise action selection thing on two different tracks based on their color. Um, a really solid game. And uh, the designer is actually uh, our, our friend on Facebook. So um, cool guy who's coming on another thing. So support this game. Check it out. It's, it came out this year at Gen Con, I think, um, is where it really kind of officially released. Maybe Origins. I don't know. But um, it did come out this summer. It's got this cool thing where you're player board has these teeth in it and you line these cards up and only certain icons are going to show on your board so you have to program it's like kind of like programming this path for your guy to go take certain actions to make you do better in the game and then it has a bunch of modules in it too so it really feels like you've got three or four different games in this one set of games um following kind of the same system but it changes the rules up and it does feel kind of unique um so it's basically like you get better cards to get better things you can program into your paths um, to do more things to get points. And it's a pretty neat little game. It's really different from anything else I've played. That's why I kind of think it's cool. Um, and I think there's an expansion already planned for this one for this spring or winter. So I'm pretty excited about that. So Sierra West uh, from Boards and Dice, my number 71, and I'll shut up for the tonight. I haven't played this one, but it seems kind of cool. So maybe eventually I'll get to play it. All right, my number 71, and the last one I'm going to talk about tonight is a game that I've recently played, I don't know, within the last two, three months, but I've played it about, I think, three or four times, and I dig it, and it is called Abyss. Um, this is essentially a push-your-luck drafting game, sort of. You're trying to draft certain colors of cards. I think there are five different colors, and you're going to use these cards to recruit these overlords to come over into your tableau. The overlords are going to give you a special ability, but at a certain point, 
you're going to hit this uh, key threshold. You have to get three keys, and you're going to unlock a scoring location. But once the card is used as a key, its special power no longer functions. So there's a little bit of give and take of, I want this card for as long as I can have it, but eventually it's going to die out. So you're trying to be the first person to get seven uh, overlords. That'll trigger the end of the game. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. And that's my number 71, Abyss. Yeah, so the fun thing about this is if you described Abyss and Demon Worker and took all the logos and like branding off the boxes, just showed the art, and you said one of these games is about demons recruiting other demons into hell and like destroying them, just based on the look of the cover of the box, you'd be like, oh, that game, that dark game with the crazy, angry, scary face on it is definitely Demon Worker. <laughs> and this cartoony one is definitely the one where you're just collecting cards together to make keys and stuff. Like, that would be the Demon Worker. Like, uh, yeah. just, this this game looks super intense, but then I heard it's actually a really light game. It is. It um, is. I'm surprised you like it as much as you do, honestly. That's pretty it's cool. It's fun. Well, it's got that push-your-luck aspect, and I love that. So that I think that makes it probably this high because that any game that has push-your-luck I automatically gets a higher boost to me. Yep. Yeah, you love Push Your Luck. And I'd like it more now. I Quacks was better last time I played it. All right. Anyway, uh, that's that's been it this week, I guess. Um, hey, we got a top 100 episode done under an hour, Jason. And yep. I'm not sure it made any sense, but I'll be busy editing it and trying to make it make sense. <laughs> we'll see if I, I mission accomplished or I'm not. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. And... Uh, be ready next week, guys, to listen to the Carhartt coveralls board game <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> Probably really going to be Wendy's because they're going to be jealous of all that McDonald's free airtime. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, man, Wendy's gets some real snark going on their Twitter, too. <laughs> but we could we could use a little of that. Yeah, that's true. Well, we could actually do Arby's because they've released their own ticket to ride board. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, here's the one we need. Rallies. Oh, man, their fries are so good. All you folks not in the Midwest, uh, they're called checkers. Yep. Checkers everywhere else, but rallies here in the Midwest. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. Uh, All right. We're sounding really fat right now, so it's time to hang up. <laughs> yep. Uh, really? Because you, you and I are going to go get in our cars and get some delicious seasoned rally fries. <laughs> yeah. A good old uh, 10 o'clock snack. <laughs> Nothing beats a cholesterol bomb at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> I wonder who's going to take our jobs over after our coronaries. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I'm going to shut up now. I've been told with the board game mechanics, and I don't think this is my last episode, but if, if it is, you know why. And I did actually share my full top 100 list, so post-mortem, you guys can look at that. Um, but keep gaming. I may. I don't know. We'll find out. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Man, if I really die, that's going to be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh.